pray together. Heavenly Father, whether we realize it, recognize it, or know it or not, your spirit works across nations and languages. Until that day when it tells us in Revelation that every knee will bow, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, to the King. So, dear Lord, I pray today that uh, I know there are people who don't know that King, uh, and I know that we, we put other things in your place. So, for me personally, forgive me. Uh, forgive me for, for pride. Uh, forgive me for uh, just putting idols where the King of Kings should be. And I pray for these, your children. Uh, I know many of them, all of us, have our hurts and have our burdens and have our stresses and have our peer pressures. And I pray that, uh, I pray that all of them would see your King of Kings and, and let Jesus sit on the throne of our lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen. As we get going today, uh, if you have your Bible, please turn to Luke 15. Uh, if you don't, there are Bibles up there at the corner that we give away. So if you want a Bible, uh, we like that book. We encourage you to read that book. So check it out. And I'm going to be reading today from uh, one of my favorites, uh, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It's this parable of the prodigal son. And uh, it's Luke 15, 11 through 32. But before I do that, just kind of preface this by saying that uh, we're starting today a sermon series on individual salvation. Yet, really, there's going to be a tie throughout the fall until we move into our new building. There are three sermon series that are connected together. Today, starting on our individual lives. Then we'll be in September on our work. And then in October, November, on our church. They're actually all tied together, from our life to our work to our church family. So I'm very excited about this fall that I really believe God is doing something, uh, whether that's in width or in depth in the life of our church, uh, as we get ready to move into our new home. So I would just ask you to be praying for us, uh, for me as pastor, for the staff in these next coming months, that, uh, well, one, I think God will work, and two, I think the devil will attack. It's just kind of the way it is. And we have something very exciting coming up. So just pray for the life of Bella. And those of you who don't call this place home, as you drive by our new church, I'd ask you, I'd beseech you to pray for us. But today, again, we're starting on salvation. And like what you think of as being saved. That's a, you know, that's a term, that's a churchy term, Sunday school term. And actually, Joseph's message last week... Uh, if you weren't here to hear it, I would encourage you to listen to it on podcast. It was a great setup, a great tee up, a great prologue to this message on salvation because he addressed the question, what is the gospel? That's a Sunday school word, church word, and he laid it out. And the title of this series is called, This Is Your Life. This Is Your Life. I think it used to be a TV show, but it was a song too. You know, This Is Your Life, Are You Who You Want to Be? Uh, many of you guys and gals in school, y'all be asking yourself that. There's another song, and I alluded to this on Christmas Eve, those of y'all here for that service. And for some reason, God put this song in my head, and it was, um, I believe, Fantine. I don't know the character in Les Mis. And she says, life has killed the dream I dream. And I've been thinking about that, our lives, our, our individual lives, what salvation means. And 
this is your life, is it, is it really what you want it to be? And some of us who are wiser and grayer, we know, I know, hey, life killed a dream that I had, and it's probably killed several dreams. So is this the life that we want? And my hope through this next month is that we all see the life that God wants for us is life with Christ, and that it's better than any life that we could have dreamed, and it's better than any life that we could live on our own strength, in our own mind, in our own abilities, by our own pride. Hope we'd see that, but we'll see. So we start with this passage, which, again, it is, uh, is very impactful in my life. It's actually, if you don't know it, it's very impactful in the life of Bellwether. It's the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And I'm going to read verse 11 through verse 32. Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have Bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to them, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, You killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Praise God. The prodigal son... Again, a, uh, it's a great passage. It's uh, instrumental and impactful for me. And I start with that because, see, I, I have this concern, and I don't really say this every Sunday, but it's a great concern. And it is that I'm very concerned, many of you, I'm concerned about your salvation. 
I mean, I'm concerned, like, if you're really legit saved or not. And, and you can say, man, you know, hey, I walked down the aisle, raised my hand, did that song and dance. Maybe it was seventh grade, maybe in kindergarten, maybe, you know, did that. I, I got it, man. Well, here's the deal. St. Augustine, some of y'all may not know who he is, he said, uh, it's a great quote, the heart is always restless until it finds its rest in him, Jesus. And see, what I see as pastor, both in our church and outside of our church, is just a lot of restless hearts. A lot of restless hearts. Restless about, I mean, you know, pick your poison, you know, Money, or women, or men, or marriage, or status, or their kids, or, you know, just restless, restless. And I love that quote, the heart will always be restless until we find its rest in Him. So my, you know, what I want is for people to find the rest of their heart, their rest in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. And so, I start with this passage because it's very easy to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a younger brother, or, or I'm an elder brother, and, you know, I've been in churches that are, like, highly, like, elder brother oriented, and, you know, honestly, like, Bellwether kind of leans in a big way younger brother, which is good and bad in its way, but honestly, the more I think about it and pray about it, all of us, all of us are both younger and elder brothers. Let me give you two stories to kind of illustrate this in my own life. And it happened last, uh, happened last weekend. So I was in New York City, and so I'm going to tell you a couple stories from New York. And those of y'all who are visiting here, Bellwether folks can tell you, I'm, I'm pretty authentic, you know, so I don't know, you may be blown away by what you hear. I, I'm sorry if you are, it's just kind of, guess who I am. So, you know, first thing that happened was a, a story that really ties in with a younger brother, younger brother type stuff. And... I was in New York, I got up there last Saturday, so Saturday night, I go get a burger and fries, I'm pretty tired. Well, my wife has a good friend uh, who's a DJ, and uh, he's a DJ at this bar, and she's talking to me on the phone, and she's like, you know, I really want you to go visit Jerry, so that's his name, Gerald, Jerry, and I'm like, so I'm walking down, I was like, you know, sweetie, I, I don't know, I'm pretty tired. And it's like, no, I think you need to go out. And, and then it kind of hit me like, something's wrong with this picture. You know, I, I'm here on my own, and I'm like, you know, tired. And my wife's like, no, I think you need to go out. But, but anyway, that's just, you know, how my wife rolls. And so I was like, all right, well, I, I'll go out. And so I went to this bar where he was a DJ, and it was not like, you know, a hip-hop, you know, bump, bump. It's not like that, like, you know, what you think of. I mean, it was, like a, it was like a nice, like, classy, like, you know, $50 drinks, you know, specially made. that They, like, have all these ingredients and stuff. I mean, I looked at the menu. You know, this is real, you know, fashionable. And it's where, like, the beautiful set hang out, if that's what I'd say. So, you know, I get there and see Jerry, and, you know, he's the only person I know. And I'm, like, flashing the wedding band, you know. So, you know, no... No worries there, you know, like doing this and all. But it's packed with, you know, people that you would think, probably you guys here, sitting here, growing up, would think, I mean, this is who you probably aspire to be. It's who I aspire to be one day. Uh, and some of us have lived in that set before. So it brought back a lot of memories when I wasn't flashing no wedding ring, okay? 
And so I'm here, and it was great to connect with Jerry. And it's just packed, and it's like beautiful sets. And, you know, these are people who, you know, working hard, I guess playing hard and looking good and everything. And you would think, you know, this is a creme de la creme. You know, this is the life, New York, you know, all of that good stuff. Anyway, so I met Jerry's girlfriend, and uh, she's a very striking young lady. I mean, I can say that. Tall, blonde. On paper, man, like, she'd worked in London three years. Now she's in New York, creative, just like, you know, got it going on. And, you know, it's interesting, too, like, when I tell people I'm a pastor, usually either one of two things happen. One I call the pastor's freeze. It's like, you know, kind of need another drink, and they're they're gone, you know. Um, The other one is, like, they just pour their life, you know, out to me. And, uh, And she did. And so, you know, we were talking, and I've continued to pray for her, because she said, and it was tied to some other conversation I had, it's like, you know, you see this, it's like, everybody's so lonely, and she's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm empty, and she's like, I'm just dying for him, and she's probably wanting me to kind of help her out, dying for him, you know, to, to commit, and I'm just alone, worked in London three years, New York, you know, very nice, got it going on. I said, this means nothing. So I keep thinking to the younger brother. And we read that parable and we see the younger brother with the pigs. And, you know, my mind flashes. You know, I'm there and I know what I'm preaching on. And all these younger brothers, including myself, and I'm tempted. I'll just lay it out there, man. It's tempting. You got to be guarded. You got to have some disciplined faith to be in that world. But you know that people are empty. People are, there's a big void. Hearts are restless in that world. So then the next day I go to church, you know, and repent. Um, as uh, many of y'all know what I'm talking about, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And this is when the elder brother comes out. And I have to say, this was more striking than anything that happened to me. So I go to this church. It's called uh, Hillsong, New York. Great church, you know, like. All over the world, you know, they had six or eight services, um, you know, just electric and lighting and just, you know, awesome performance. So I go to the two o'clock service. I was out late, two o'clock service. And here's what happens to me. And I thought, I wonder how many folks that go to Bell, whether any church think this. I get there, and it's a small little place. So there's a line that goes all around the block. First thought, that line's too long. Man, I don't need this. It's like a little something on my shoulder like, you don't need this. Don't blow this off, man. This line's too long. They're asking you to wait to get into a church? What kind of church is that? So I, I get in line, and I do wait, and I get in. And as I'm in there, I'm like, you know, look, we talk about our services and what we're going to do in the new building, and so I'm getting ideas and listening to sound and everything, and so I want to take some pictures, so I, I try to get up as close to the front as I can, you know, have it up there, and somebody comes up to me, sir, we, we don't allow pictures here, and I'm like, well, well, she told me I could take pictures, what, what do you mean, you can't take pictures here, you know, and then I'm walking, and like, you know, they got like, you know, 20 greeters as you're going down the road, and everybody's smiling, you know, welcome home, great to see you, and in my mind, I'm thinking, fake, fake, phony, fake, I mean, 
Because you don't really mean that. Come on. Like, you can't be 30 of y'all. Right up every step. Hello, welcome home. You know, all that. Fake. Fake Christian. Thinking that. No pictures. So I'm like, let me go up to the balcony, see the view from up there. Go to the balcony. Well, it's packed, so I'm standing. I got to stand in the back now. So I'm like, I'm blowing this off. I'm going to go back downstairs. Well, lady was there guarding the rail. Sorry, sir, if you're up here, you can't go back down. I, like, I don't want to say, like, what you, I'm a pastor. You not get that, you know? And then it hit me. I thought, man, what a, what a wretched soul you are, John Hume. You know, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Coming to my house to worship. Judging every little thing. Judging people who greet. Judging restrictions and rules. And I'm thinking like, number one, you know, nobody can tell me what to do. Number two, don't you know how good I am? Don't you know that I've given my life to Christ the ministry? I mean, I'm not like just some heathen younger brother out here. I'm a pastor. And you're just, you know... Treat me like some folk off the street. Who do you think you are? Johnny, voice is saying. And it hit me. It hit me as I was there worshiping. I had a wonderful worshiping experience. Elder brother. Here's the deal. And if you see nothing else today, I hope you get this. The younger brother's sin is so easy to see and so blatant. In maybe your friend or a parent or a child or, you know, whatever it is. The elder brother's sin is really hidden. And it comes up every now and then. It comes up in pride. It comes up in how great I am or how good I am or what I've done. And so many of us live in that elder brother's sin. I do. I did. And I was more repentant, repentant about my feelings in church than my feelings in the bar. Capiche? Because of what I was thinking and how great I was or how good I was or how destined I was to get in from, you know, and all this. And I just, man, I just, I mean, just poured out my heart to God and said, forgive me, God. I mean, I, I'm a wretched, sinful person. And the beginning of salvation, if you really want to be like saved, if you want to get to salvation, that is the beginning of salvation. Repentance. The beginning of salvation is when you begin to see the sin. When you begin to see really the sin behind your good works. Why we do the good things that we do. Why we try to be good. Salvation begins when we look in the mirror and see ourselves for who we really are and that God still loves us. So quickly, I want to hit three scriptures that really tie into being saved and what that really means. Because again, I know many of us are restless and I want our hearts to be at rest. And I want you to know, whether it's today or tomorrow or this month, that I'm saved. Because we will, look, we'll fall on the younger brother road sometimes and we'll fall on the elder brother road. But we can know God's grace in Jesus. So, first one would be Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. These three verses will come up on screen. But if you want to mark them in your Bibles, you can. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Wonderful passage. Joseph, J.J. alluded to it last week. 
says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one can boast. I give you that verse. It's important to know. It's the word grace. Grace literally means free. Grace literally means you can't earn it. Grace literally means there's nothing that we can do to be saved. You're like, hold my hand, i got to receive. Yeah, I I get that. But at the end of the day, there is no good works, not pretty clothes, not the look, not the white picket fence, not the mission trip, not the leading a small group, not the, you know, hour and a half of quiet time every day. Nothing we do will save us. The grace of God does. Jesus has by what he has done on the cross. By grace you have been saved through faith. Not of your own doing, says. It is a gift, not the result of works, so no one can boast. Uh, Dobby Bowden, and how many of you know him? If you don't, you should. Great man. He and I um, have been meeting and praying together some with this transition into, uh, into our new house, space, church, building, whatever. And he made a point, and it so connected with me. He said, you know, I've been reading through Ephesians. And he said, you know, it's convicted me so much of my own sin. And I just said, you know, amen, brother, because I've read through Ephesians too. And really, the last two years, being in ministry, I've been more convicted about my own sin and what Jesus has done than ever before. And so we were talking about, you know, how hard it is. I mean, living in, in the world we do, whether it's, you know, Jackson or the South or Bible Belt, to be convicted of sin, to, to like know that, that we're sinful. Because, it, it, I mean, it's so easy. You guys and gals, I mean, and I was where you were. I mean, I know, you know, like, go to JA and, and you know, we go to a nice school and, you know, we can look perfect and we can get a 4-0 or, you know, we can get a scholarship, hopefully at Ole Miss. And, you know, we can look good and all that and we can... You know, we can get a job in D.C. or New York. And, you know, it just looks good. And we've done a good job. And we've worked hard. And, you know, man, it's sinful. Sinful? That's like heathens, you know. So it's so hard in our world, really, to see just our need for what Jesus has done. And, again, going back, I mean, it, so much of it starts just looking at our heart. Looking at our pride. Saying that looking at Scripture, that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And those are good things. Please, get a 4-0. Please go, you know, to a good school. I won't say that again. Please get a good, you know, those are good things, but they become ultimate things. And they say, this is what saves me. And, and it doesn't. So, you know, again, for me, that Sunday morning, when I was thinking those things about how, or Sunday afternoon, you know, how good I was, that's when it hit me about how sinful that I am. And my need, all of our desperate need for Ephesians 2.8. The grace of God done in Jesus, accomplished in Jesus. Another verse, Romans 1, 16 through 17. Here Paul says, the gospel. It is the power of God... For salvation to everyone who has faith. The first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. I want to highlight two words in those two verses. Power. 
power. And the other one would be faith. And God convicted me about power in that so many of us always seek power in, in being saved and in saving ourselves. And here's what I mean. You remember, some of you remember, some of you may know, that feeling that you get, like when there's a girl you like, dudes, and all of a sudden, you know, y'all, y'all like get a date, or y'all are dating, or, or gals, and you don't have to be in, you know, high school or whatever. You know, all of a sudden you're, I, I remember this, like when all of a sudden there was a girl I liked, and all of a sudden we were like dating. And there was like this feeling of power, there was this feeling of, you know, yeah, I do. I am kind of romantic every now. There's this feeling of just like, you know, just man like walking on the clouds. And like Lynn and I were, were dating, you know, it was like legit. It wasn't like playing around or playing the game, you know. It was like, it's, it's a done deal. There's that a feeling of power. JJ, when he is uh, about to get married, those of us who are married, think back, man, that week, that day, that night before, there's this feeling of power. It's like, I don't know about y'all, but like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Like, never experiencing like that. I mean, it's like, it's like, I don't know what to do. It's, it's so good. It's just this power. Like, I'm getting married, man. Give my life to somebody. It's just, it's, it's power. Got a job and you get a promotion or, or just you, you see your career. Make, maybe you make partner to firm or, you know, you just, you see and it's all spread out. And it's like, man, I'm doing good. It's, it's like, the road is there before me of, of, of money and position. I mean, it's just, it's power. It's a powerful feeling. The day or the night when a son or daughter is, is born or, or adopted or when you, you have a child. Ethan was born that night. I was just like, man, it's just like, I can't, just can't describe, can't explain it. There are no words. It's so exciting. It's power. It's power. And for so many of us in life, that, those things, whether it's love or marriage or a kid or a career, that's our power. That's our power. And you could easily replace that word power with idol. Idol. And we're putting something else in the throne. Those are great things. Those are wonderful things. But when they become ultimate things, they're an idol. And I always say it like this. If your Savior or your power can be in a coffin and... Your work or your career will one day be in a coffin or a person will be in a coffin. How can that save you? The gospel is power, Paul says. What is the gospel? Joseph lined it out. The gospel is there's grace. We can't save ourselves. Jesus has done it. He's done it. He saves us. He's our king. We so many ways look for power. He's our power. And how do we have it? By faith. The gospel is power. Through faith. What is righteousness and holy living? Faith. It's not even good works. It's not even being Mr. or Mrs. Super Christian person. It's faith and believing. What we may not be able to see or touch tangibly, but what he's done. Faith. One other verse, 2 Timothy 2, 13. This says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Love that verse. Because see what happens is, it's grace. We have power and faith and we're faithless. So many times, so often. I mean, we fall into faithless. 
but we can have faith in that even when we're faithless, He is faithful. And we don't have as much faith as we think we should have. His grace abounds. His grace saves. Even when we rely on our own works and our own good deeds and everything like that, He is faithful. We're faithless so often. Here's how I know. Here's how we should know. We still, we still keep on trying to save ourselves by good works. And when you do that, and when you live that way, listen, and gang, I know it's, it's me all about that. When you keep trying to live ourselves by how good we are and the works that save us, one, you're going to always compare yourselves. One, you're always going to compare yourselves to maybe who doesn't do as good as you do, or if somebody else is doing maybe better, you're going to say, well, but really, you know, they had this affair a while back. You know, they're really not that good. Or, or you know, look at their kid. They're, come on, you know, he's like, you know, he, he's wasted all the time. He's a, he's a joke, you know. It happens all the time. Compare ourselves. Put others down. Gossip. Mock. All those things. When you live by good works, you're living a life of comparison, of putting others down, of aligning ourselves, because if something happens that may like take down your you know, prestige or, or look or, or dignity or, or family, you're like, hey man, I gotta, I, gotta get on the, I gotta get on the horn and call, you know, Joe and Jane and Belinda or, you know, all these folks to line them up to be on my side so that, you know, my image is protected. I'm reading this great book right now, awesome book. It's called The Killer Angels. I know that kind of sounds, but it's about the Battle of Gettysburg. So not like Christian book, but it has some themes. But here's it's a General Longstreet it's from South Carolina. He made this quote so true of us Southerners. He said, for us Southerners, and he's South Carolina, our dignity is more important than victory. So true. Our dignity is more important than victory in Christ. And we need to see that. Our image than victory in Christ. And we realize, man, we can be faithless. And he is faithful. And that we can't save ourselves by good works. We can find real rest. I mean like real rest. And so many of us are striving. Gang, I, I know it. I mean like I, I see the restless hearts. I hear the restless stories. And I want us to have rest. Rest in him. Rest in his faithfulness. And then we can act in like, I mean really like legit, kind ways that glorify God. We don't have to put someone down. We don't, we, we don't need to compare because we know the work God's done in us and the work he's doing. And these can be just very simple acts of kindness. Story that this hit me in New York this week. I was at a, uh, each morning before class, I'd go hit a Starbucks, do my devotion, and just, you know, watch people. And everybody's running, restlessness, you know, galore. And everybody's running and all. And so, so I'm right there, and I'm about to go and finish up my devotion. And all of a sudden, you know, I got my music in, Christian music, you know. So I'm like, you know, quiet time with God and everything. And I hear like, you know, hello? Hello? And I look up, and, you know, there's this older lady. She's got something a little wrong with her back. She's been like, hello? Hello? And I was like, you know, yes, ma'am. Can you save the seat for me? And so she put up her chair like that. I was like, you know, okay, not, not a southern way to ask, but I was like, yes, ma'am, no problem. So hey, the line is long at Starbucks. And so she goes, and she's pretty slow. 
and she's getting in line. So I'm like, man, I just I need to finish my devotion. You know, this song's ending. You know, I need to get to class. I'm running late. You know, she's rude as all get out. These Yankees, you know, come on. I looked at the chair. I need to save her seat. You know, I look back. She's in line, you know, like, I mean, like eight people in front of her. Something, you know, man, just bolt. Come on, man. This old granny, just bolt. Disrespectful. Show her, you know, show her a lesson. I'm hearing that. Like, nah, I'm going to stay. You know, I'm going to stay. So, read over some scripture, checked some tweets, tweeted some, I don't know. You know, she came back. She sat down. So I got up, got up to go. And she looked at me, and she said, you stayed. She said, you stayed. It's like, yeah. You know what she meant, like, you know, you waited for me, and you stayed. And I said, yeah, it's no big deal. And then she said, you're not from Brooklyn. And I was like, no, no, from the South. But that hit me so much that it's just a, a kind example. You know, I didn't like, are you going to... Or are you going to be tonight if you, you know, and you may go tonight, you know, Granny. None of that. Just when I have that little, you know, echo say, you know, go on and bail. We stayed. We stayed. He is faithful, and my rest is in Christ. And I battle against restlessness, but our rest is in Christ. So what do we do? Just in closing, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Uh, Don't go on a mission trip. Here's what you do. Uh, don't lead a Bible study. Um, don't, like, do quiet time. If you're doing that just to, A, be good, or, like, be a leader for Christ, or show how God is, like, working in my life so good. I mean, if that's it, it's pride, it's elder brother stuff. What you do, what you start is look in the mirror and try to look within the heart and try to see, why do I do the things that I do? And when it hits you, you might weep. You might fall on your knees. I mean, I have. Then you get to know the good news. Man, that God loves you so much that he gave Jesus. Jesus loves you so much. The Holy Spirit's here with you now. He is faithful when we are faithless, when we mess up, He's going to walk with you. You don't have to compare. You don't have to put down. You don't have to mock. You don't have to have idols of career or a wife or a husband or a child. And He'll live with you forever. And He has a great life for you. Maybe many small kind works. Maybe many great kind works. And you can rest in that. So, you know, what do you do? I want you... You know, what I'd love for you to do is, yeah, you start in the mirror. You see your sin, you repent, and you know the good news, the gospel, that Jesus has done it all. And then make every day count. Make every day count. Two other quick things that happened. One, I was in a coffee shop, and I was listening to J.J.'s sermon. And it was up on screen, and, you know, great title, What is the Gospel? And so I'm listening to it, and the screen's up, What is the Gospel? And I finish, I'm getting up dude next to me. So hey, you know, I couldn't help but see him. said, what is the gospel? And um, I like kind of flit in and out churches. 
And what is the gospel? So I had an opportunity there. Jay didn't know it, but his message impacted New Yorkers. And I, it wasn't like, you know, if you died, it was just like, man, here's the gospel. And we had a good conversation. And then I read a story coming back in the newspaper about another person in that beautiful set. He's 35, this bulldozer, take charge, get it done, great career, all of that went to Tulane. And the story was she had a date Thursday night. And first date, and took her date up to her apartment. And on the 17th floor, it was a beautiful night. They're outside. She said, you know, I'm just going to sit up on the rail. And the guy says, I, I don't know if you should do that. It's like, I do this all the time. Next thing you know, falls off the rail, gone, dead, a life, extinguished. Had it all, working hard, gone. I say that to say, and it's not a, what if something happened to you today, but it is very much that, of making every day count. And, and knowing, knowing the restless of, restlessness of our hearts, and that we can only find rest in Jesus. I pray we'd begin together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have saved uh, me and, and us. And I just pray that we would realize that. And when we want to be uh, prideful and we want to be greedy and we want to be lustful and we want to hate and we want to put others down, man, we would find our rest in you. And we would know you are faithful because you are. Convict us of the gospel. Move us in your grace. Speak to us by your spirit. And let us make every day count and find salvation in you. In Jesus' name, amen.